Welcome to the Coworkers Podcast with Jesse and Shaney. Where every believer is a coworker in God's mission. Hey friends, welcome back to the podcast. Jesse and I are here in our city in South Asia recording this, and it is a heavy time here with COVID peaking higher than ever and hospitals full and shortage of oxygen. So we are honestly recording this with a bit of heavy hearts because of the situation around us. At the same time, God is working. It is definitely not hopeless, and we are hearing many awesome stories of how God is working around our city. But today, we're going to be continuing this series on New Testament norms. So we've had two episodes. We did the first one on the theme in the book of Acts on daily, that daily rhythm, daily outreach, daily time in the Word, daily fellowship, daily ministry, and daily increase. And then in episode two, we talked about the New Testament norm of spirit filling and how that was a general characteristic of many believers in the early church, but it was also a special filling that happened to believers at specific times that resulted in bold gospel proclamation many times. So today we're continuing that theme, and this third theme is a focus on the Word, and it just goes together. It pairs together with the Spirit filling throughout the book of Acts. The Word, or a synonym for the Word, is mentioned in every chapter in the first 20 chapters of Acts. And like I said, it often, when the Holy Spirit fell, it was usually either they were preaching the Word and the Holy Spirit fell, Mm. or the Holy Spirit came and it resulted in the Word being preached. Mm -hmm. So as we think about the Word in the book of Acts, we found in all the examples that we read through, when it says the Word or some of these synonyms that we'll share It was usually talking about explaining the good news of Jesus and using the Old Testament to do that, like proving that Jesus was the Savior Mm. using the Old Testament. So it was also described as preaching the gospel, speaking in Jesus' name, proclaiming the kingdom, proclaiming Jesus, preaching Jesus, reasoning from the scriptures— Several verbs were used, like declaring, teaching, testifying, persuading, convincing, but it's just this idea of a focus on the gospel, but really teaching all of the scriptures that they had at that time. And recognizing, of course, in the midst of that, that the word at that time, the only written word they had that was what we call the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures. But since that time, right now, what we have and what we refer to as the word is the teaching of the apostles, the teaching, the proclamation of the early church about Jesus, written down and attested by the apostles then, has become for us the New Testament. And so now we have those words, that original proclamation has come to us now and is what we call the Bible today. So that's the word for us these days. So as we were reading through, and just it is remarkable because we did the survey, kind of the background reading and the book of Acts, it really is overwhelming to see how often the Word of God in some, like Shaney said, some form, some verb associated with with that, teaching, preaching, persuading, uh, proclaiming, all of those things associated with the Word of God, and how that was all over the book of Acts. And it was a, a community project. It wasn't just restricted to a few, but it was really everywhere. 
And so in the midst of all of that, we kind of boiled it down to three main themes that we saw throughout the whole thing. The first major theme is that the word of God is pictured in the book of Acts like something that has its own power. It's like an active force. And so this is where, again, where it's paired with the Spirit. And alongside the Spirit, the Word is presented really almost like an agent of kingdom expansion in the book of Acts. In a few key places, Luke, the author of Acts, he points out how the Word increased and multiplied without actually mentioning any people sort of associated with that. And so that happens in Jerusalem and Samaria, and then later on in the missionary journeys of Paul. And so just to be clear, people have to announce the gospel. There have to be proclaimers. There have to be preachers of the word. Romans 10 makes that very clear. People have to hear the word preached in order to be saved. And yet in Acts, also, the word is just described as, it's pictured as having this, its own power. Robert Plummer, a New Testament scholar, he calls the gospel a dynamic force in the early church. And so we see the examples of that in four key places laid out for us in the book of Acts that actually track the promised gospel expansion from Acts chapter 1, verse 8. In Acts 6, 7, it says, And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. So obviously a, a reference there to the gospel work going on in Jerusalem. In Acts 12, 24, just before the account of the first missionary journey and the sending out to the nations, this is kind of a summary statement of how the gospel has gone out to Judea and Samaria. And recounting in the chapters before that how the gospel was really claiming new ground in those areas and among those peoples. And it says in 1224, but the word of God increased and multiplied. Then in 1349, in the midst of the first missionary journey, Paul and Barnabas sent out by the church in Antioch. They're going out, they're preaching the gospel in modern day Turkey. And it says 1349, and the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. And then later towards the end of Paul's missionary journeys, while he's in Ephesus, Acts 19.20, it says, So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. So this is in the midst of his Ephesian ministry. What is notable about that, again, is those kind of track the original promised expansion of the gospel from Acts 1.8, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so we see that actually going out. We see it going out by the power of the word of God. And so Paul actually would just pick up this theme again later, as he wrote to the church in Thessalonica, in 2 Thessalonians 3.1, it says, Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored, as happened among you. The word is powerful. It's dynamic. It carries its power. And as, it's, as it is proclaimed, as it goes forward, there's something about it that continues to just increase and multiply among others as well. The second theme that we noted was the word went out, and this is where those who were announcing and proclaiming, they had an active role in this. The word went out boldly, broadly, and publicly. Alongside of the word, we did a study on how often the word boldly or bold proclamation, how often that occurs throughout the book of Acts, and it is all over the place. It's used to refer to Peter and John, that initially the religious leaders, they saw the boldness of Peter and John in Acts 4.13. refers to the whole church, the whole community gathered there at the end of Acts chapter 4. When they pray for boldness to proclaim, the Holy Spirit falls and they go out and do that very thing. Paul and Barnabas, beginning from Acts chapter 13 in the first missionary journey, and really throughout the remainder of Acts, all of these references to Paul and his bold gospel proclamation. This is one of our favorite verses. We talked about it last time, but here again, that reference to the Jerusalem church gathered together, the threat of persecution hanging over them, 
In chapter 4, they pray, Grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. The Spirit falls, the place they're in is shaken, and it says in verse 31, they continued to speak the word of God with all boldness. Boldness was just a key factor. It was part of, I think, their faith in that dynamic power of the gospel, their faith in God's promises that they would be true. And I think even some of the evidence that they saw all around them of God's word prevailing in their own lives and the lives of of other people as they heard and believed. The second was that it was a broad seed sowing. The word of God, the gospel went out broadly. This wasn't just consigned to a few special proclaimers, uh, a few of the appointed or anointed apostles, right? We see all these examples of different believers in the New Testament community taking the word and proclaiming it and pushing it out. We know, and we've talked about before, those scattered by the persecution in Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 8, it says, everywhere they went, they were proclaiming the words. It was a part of their daily lives, even like we, we noted last time, that those who were chosen to be servants of the church, to serve tables, Stephen and Philip, they went out and began proclaiming the word. This was part of what it meant to be the family of God, is that everyone was involved in this key work of proclaiming the gospel boldly. And then the third part of that, it was that it was a public proclamation of the word. More often than not, the most often situations that we see of the announcement of the word actually was happening in public, in gatherings of mixed groups of believers and non-believers, whether that was the temple courts in Jerusalem, the marketplace in Athens, the hall of Tyrannus in, in Ephesus. And so the primary proclamation of the word, it didn't primarily go out within the walls of a church or a church meeting or a house church, but we see it actually happening outward, publicly, in places where people would come on their normal daily rhythms. And that's where a gospel proclamation was happening. Yeah, and the the third theme it really emphasizes how relentless Paul and his teammates were. I was just amazed as I read through, they had an extremely high level of commitment to preaching and explaining the word. It's truly like the main thing they did. Everywhere they went, it seemed like day after day, for hours, many places, and in different contexts. And especially when you look like at chapters 13 through 20, you just see it so clearly. They would go to one town to preach the word. And then when they had preached the word in that town, they would go to the next town to preach the word. And it's just so clear how relentless they were. And this was not like I think we can sometimes fall into a quick gospel presentation. This was Paul and his teammates trying to convince people that Jesus was the promised Savior. He was persuading. He was convincing. And his heart was so in it with the goal of people responding. It was very outward focused. And honestly, it didn't seem like he was super creative. He just kept everywhere he went preaching and teaching the word. Like Shani mentioned, it's almost like a summary statement or an encapsulation of all the work that they were doing in church planting, it really centered around preaching, teaching, proclaiming the Word of God. That's what they came back to over and over and over again. Paul, his co-workers, other members of the church, whether it was to non-believers, proclaiming the gospel for salvation, or believers, teaching them how to follow Christ through proclaiming the Word. It was just in everything that they did. And it was really the core work, almost like we said, kind of a summary statement, even of their all of their missionary work that they were doing. 
and they were pleading. Paul was persuading. I think that's just such an important point for us to think about too often, I think, for a variety of reasons. We're content to just kind of provide the message, you know, just pass on the word or we share the gospel. But to see the heart behind how Paul is described as as preaching the gospel, he was doing it with uh, his whole heart. Wholeheartedly, he was trying to persuade people with the end that they would hear and believe and their lives would be changed. So as we think about what does this mean for us? How do we take this, this ministry of the word, how pervasive it was in the New Testament and their, their trust in it and their experience of the life-changing power of this dynamic word of God? What's it look like for us, even those of us maybe who are not full-time missionaries, full-time ministers? How can we teach, explain, preach, just say the word of God more often? to more people and with more persuasive power, more convincingly. So three kind of suggestions that we have is number one is make sure that everything that we do is just saturated with the word, just a constant exposure in our lives for us personally, as we abide in him, as we're reading the word for ourselves each day in discipleship, as we're teaching and training others, including those in our own household, our own children and in evangelism. And so for believers, for followers of Christ, it looks like abiding, getting into the word, following a reading plan, getting to know God's word, memorizing God's word, putting yourself under biblical teaching and preaching, listening to the word, even outside of uh, a normally scheduled like time where you would go to church or be in a small group, but listen to the word on your phone, listen to good preaching. For non-believers, it means speaking with people about the word of God. We just always want to make the Word of God our main content, not speaking from our own experience, not even referencing other people as trustworthy as they may be. We may need to take some time to connect with your audience, teach in a way that they understand. Paul, even I think there's some examples of him doing that as well, reading his audience like he did in Athens or when he was speaking to the Jews, but you don't have to be super creative. You don't have to be a literary genius or an oratorical genius. Just get them connected to God's word and trust in that dynamic power of God's word. That is for for us. That's just a life goal that we have is that when you prick us, we would bleed the Bible. That in our prayers, as we speak with other people, whether we're encouraging believers or sharing the gospel, it'd be the majority of what comes out would be the word of God. Well, and I think it takes the pressure off to be creative mm. or to be really well-spoken or savvy that I can just trust in, okay, if I'm sharing the word, it's a win. Mm-hmm. That's and right. If I can figure out a way <laughs> to get the word in, whether it's in a planned meeting with believers where you obviously have it planned beforehand mm-hmm. as your main content, or if it's like now in lockdown and I'm just talking to a neighbor thinking through how can I share the word? Because if I share the word, it's a win because the word has power. Or just sending a message to a friend, waking up in the morning, maybe the Lord brings a friend to your mind that you feel compelled to pray for. The spirit leads you to pray for and just taking a verse that you read that that morning that was meaningful and sending that verse to them. Right. Right now we're in lockdown, so we're thinking of ways to send videos and messages. Some of you are not, and so you can go share in person. But the reality is we have more tools now that put God's Word into people's hands more easily than at any other time in history. Mm -hmm. Online apps, videos on YouTube, Mm -hmm. and just to share kind of the power of that, one of the teams that we work with here in South Asia just seen some incredible, incredible things, really unprecedented things 
uh, in a part of this country. Fruit in terms of people coming to Christ in amazing numbers, being radically saved, and then becoming disciple makers themselves. And as this is, has really grown over the past several years, and we've talked to those who are in the center of that movement, many of them, in fact, most of them will say, they'll testify that probably the driving force, the most impactful influence on this whole movement is that they have daily access to the Word of God through their phones, through listening to the Word. They're able to listen to the. Many of them are illiterate that are part of this movement. They're able to listen to the Word of God daily uh, on a daily listening plan. So they listen through the entire Bible over the course of a year. And just think of the power that that has where they are just soaking themselves in God's Word and allowing it to work out its power in their lives. I think another step of application, I know for me as I was studying this, was really to do a heart check. Is my heart like Paul's? His heart was so involved. His heart was for the listener. He was ready, it seemed, to spend as much time as needed to convince that person. Mm. It wasn't just like, oh, let me go get my gospel shares in for the day, or oh, let me share something so I can pat myself on the back and feel like I've done what I'm supposed to do to be a good Christian. But the goal was to see people change their minds, to see people believe in Jesus. And so my heart check has been, am I willing to put the time in? Am I willing to put the prayer in? This is where I think being Westerners is not an advantage, because when I see South Asians, I think they are much more willing to spend Mm -hmm. a long time with people, just talking and talking and explaining the word. Our Muslim background believing friends would stay up all night long talking about the word. Mm -hmm. I've never done that. That is not my my norm. You need to sign up for Secret Church. Yeah, we do. But we can just tend to have such packed schedules. And so a heart check, Lord— Please help me to remember the reality of what is truly urgent. Lostness is urgent. People knowing you is urgent. So help me to be willing to have my heart in and put the time in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the last application, just as we saw how the gospel was going out, how the word of God was spreading out, is to be asking ourselves, how do we get the gospel? How do we get this word out more? I think we honestly have to always be asking this question. And it's not only or even mainly through pulpit ministry. How do we get the gospel out boldly, broadly, publicly, and consistently? Asking the question, like we do about our own city, how many people in my city are hearing the gospel today? How often are the believers that I'm connected to in the Word and exposing themselves to the Word and putting the Word inside of them? That just has to be driving what we do. That is the the really irreducible basis of what we do. The summary of our ministry, just like we talked about with Paul, is the proclamation, the teaching, the encouragement of the Word of God. Just getting it out more broadly to non-believers and using it to help encourage and to train and to teach believers as well. So how do we get the gospel out more? How many people are being exposed to the Word of God today in our city and around us? Yeah, and I hope that listeners, as they hear that, feel inspired and encouraged not like, oh no, great, I'm not sharing the gospel enough. I need to do better, I know. But I hope that people, that you all hear, the gospel has power. The word has Mm -hmm. power. We can step out with faith. And whatever opportunities God gives us, we can do it with joy. 
And connecting this to our previous episode, the word and the spirit go together. Mm -hmm. So if I'm going to step out in faith and share the word, I can trust the Holy Spirit's going to honor it. And if I'm not sharing the word, I'm probably missing out on the Holy Spirit working in my life. That's right. That's right. So be encouraged. Be encouraged. Right? The word has its power. That's why we took such time, I think, to draw that out. The word carries its own power to convince I mean, we do that as well, our heart's in it, but the, mm-hmm. the word has power. Like it says in Romans 1.16, we're not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation. Mm-hmm. Yes. The word is the power. And we don't have to be the Apostle Paul to experience that. That's wherever right. Wherever we are, whatever we're doing, wherever we live, whatever our occupation, our season of life, even if it's not hours a day that we're out mm-hmm. reasoning with the scriptures like Paul was... I do believe God gives us opportunities yeah. wherever we are. And so even in small ways, that's right. looking for those opportunities, giving God something to work with. Mm-hmm. We don't know where God's working until we just say it out loud. So I hope that will be an encouragement to all of us, especially at this time in the world. People need to hear the gospel. That's right. And people are needy and they're afraid. And it's a great opportunity to share. We're the ones in the world who aren't afraid of death right now. We are the ones who have the answers. So we need to seize those opportunities to share it with joy. Mm -hmm. We have good news to share. That's right. That's right. The power of the gospel, the filling of the Spirit, those are our most valuable resources in this great commission work that the Lord has given to us because they are God's divine provisions for us. His Spirit, His Word. And now just think we have the Word available in so many languages so many formats, so many media around the world. This gospel, like we talked about, it is God's power for salvation. It's the only hope for salvation. People have to hear and believe. And for us as believers, as followers of Christ, what a treasure we have. What a time to live in that so many people, including us, we have such access to these life-changing words, the word of God that has given to us in the scriptures the most important words in the world. And also what a responsibility What a calling, right? So join us for our next episode. We're going to talk about one final norm that we find in our study of the growth of the gospel in the early church from Acts. 